Husky fans, this is UW Leah and Evie Mason back for the very first episode of Pick and Roll for the UW Women's Basketball 2023-24 season. We're really excited to be here. It's been a long time and it seems like things have been progressing to say the least for UW Women's Basketball. They've started, they were undefeated since um, before this past week with a tough loss to Louisville on the road. Um, other than that, they've been pretty ruthless with several games beating teams by more than 20 points, some 30, if I'm remembering correctly. <laughs> but yeah, we're, um, Leah, what are your first impressions of the Husky season so far, especially, you know, during non-conference play? Yeah, honestly, you covered it pretty well. Um, it's really disappointing, obviously, to go to Louisville and lose but also that's a really tough team in a hostile environment in Kentucky so I wasn't expecting to win that game I was also expecting a little bit more um, of an even treatment with the referees which we really didn't get Um, but what it did do is expose some things that I think that the team needs to work on and I'm sure Tina Langley is well aware of that but we only really only have one post player and we got really hammered on the glass and in second chance points, which has been a bugaboo for the Huskies for, you know, off and on for years. So that is going to be something that we're going to have to key up on as conference season progresses. But that was coming off the heels of going to Washington state in the absence of Eladine and the Huskies had a, a lead of 20 points and they managed to, make it close in the end. Uh, I guess it's something that the football team and the women's basketball team have in common. So really stressing us out at the end, but they did come out with a win on the Palouse without their best score this year. So that was really cool. Um, certainly like we've got a really, a lot of really great new players, particularly the two that are seeing a lot of playing time right now, which are Chloe Briggs and Savia Sellers really infusing a lot of ball handling talent and three-point shooting, which the team desperately has needed since last year. Um, we've seen a boost in our percentage, which is something that we've both wanted to see. Um, but the prospectus of the team is really good. Yeah. They have done what they've needed to do, which is to win the winnable games. And they didn't get blown out in a game that, frankly, they could have just due to size disadvantage. Uh, so what we know is we have a great coach and we have a really multifaceted team and <laughs> If we could just put stilts on some of them and make them a little bit taller, that would be fantastic. Of course, it doesn't work that way, but it'll be interesting to see how the season progresses with that disadvantage and how we make it an advantage out of it. We'll see what Tina Langley does. Yeah, that that kind of goes along with my overall observation. I I think, well, yeah, what I've seen so far is we have just a lot of power, like a, a lot of really good shooters that can just throw it up all the time like Ella Dean can do that um also who's uh Chloe Briggs the fresh there are there are several freshmen who are actually pretty pretty good on that front and um Hannah Steins who is not a freshman I think a sophomore Mm -hmm. another one of those who can just you know put a lot of points on the board but like like you said it doesn't seem like we have any other post players besides Delaya Daniels like it really doesn't I mean we have um, Olivia Anderson, who is six foot six, but she's also very raw. I'm not sure if you've seen right. her play very much, but she doesn't usually get in until the game is well in hand. Um, she's probably going to be really good after a year of coaching. And maybe she finds herself in a situation where 
we don't really expect a whole lot of her except for it's okay for you to, to foul, but don't be another sort of defensive liability in terms of don't, don't get in the way when, when good things are happening, but just use your body as a weapon. But in terms of offensively, she is a little bit of a liability. She needs to work on her footwork and hand placement. Um, But I think she can be a weapon. It's just that she needs some coaching. I think she was uh, late to join basketball in high school. That doesn't mean that she can't get there with good coaching. She can absolutely get there. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think the Louisville game in particular was just, it, it, it showed kind of our weakness in terms of like being physical, I guess. I don't, I don't really know how else to put it. Um, even though they were a bit too physical, like, you know, doing illegal things sometimes, but you get my point. I particularly enjoyed kicking Delia Daniels in the stomach and having her whistled for a technical. That was my favorite. Part oh of the my game. God. Yeah. That game was ridiculous, but anyways, yeah, I, I guess just on the topic of strengths and weaknesses what what are what are some strengths that you Hmm. think have carried over from last year but also kind of newer in terms of just you know making progress over the off season all of that great great question I think that we've built on the momentum from last year knowing that we're capable of winning big games doing it on the road going to Pullman in December short staff without Aladine inserting Chloe Briggs in there and Chloe Briggs is somebody that passes the basketball distributes it rebounds like she's a sophomore or junior she has a lot of court awareness she's got really good hands she's not particularly turnover prone and she finds open teammates and those are all qualities that will serve her well moving forward in the program so having more ball handlers and then increased shooting percentage so kids being in the gym all summer um, being really familiar with each other where they like to have the ball increasing our three-point shooting percentage all the way down the line. I know that's from Lauren Schwartz, Hannah Steins, Ella Dean, and our freshmen. That is something that we desperately needed last year because I think we were living at something like 28% from the free, from the, sorry, the three-point shooting line, ending the season at Kansas, going over the three-point line was certainly a glaring area of improvement. And we've, we've definitely bolstered that um, just strength or like, you know, outlet passes, Ball handling, for the most part, is a strength. Um, At the same time, weaknesses, we've already addressed this, just having a very small team is going to make rebounding difficult. So rebounding is going to be difficult. That said, because most of the opponents the Huskies have faced, we have come out on the positive end in terms of margin rebounding-wise. I don't anticipate that moving forward into the conference season, particularly if you're going to be facing the likes of Stanford, and UCLA, who has a Stanford transfer, Lauren Betts, who's six foot seven and leads the nation in field goal percentage. So things like positionally getting people off the blocks are going to be incredibly paramount in terms of making sure that we don't allow for second chance points and things like that. But, um, you know, efforts going, always going to be there with the Tina Langley coach team. It's just, do we have the personnel? Can we stay out of foul trouble? And can we have enough mid-range and three-point shooting to make things uh, close games? Because this is, once again, a very, very tough league with, I think, right now, four teams in the top 10 and uh, another one in the top 25 and the Huskies just outside the top 25. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Going off of strengths, this this may sound contradictory because I just said I think they need to be a little more physical. They seem to be doing well overall defensively and and the only reason I say that is because they do tend to keep teams not not always but they've 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 been pretty consistent with 
keeping teams from you know scoring too yeah. much if, if you get what I'm saying oh yeah <laughs> I think where it got away from us at Louisville is they were excellent at uh, fast break points so yeah. points points in transition and that's the, one of the things that is going to turn a game from uh, you know, one point game, three point game into a 10 point game, which is what it fast became at Louisville. I think they outscored us by 20 in um, points off turnovers. And that's something that we really can't afford. A dead ball turnover is not the same as a long rebound turnover. So we need to really eliminate those mid court kind of turnovers. If we do that, I think that we'll be competitive in every single one of the games that we have on our schedule. But if we don't do that, we could get blown out by anybody. And that's a scary thing. It's scary. But yeah, and going off of that, something I think that could be to our benefit, and it was somewhat the case last year, but I'm seeing it again, is just bench depth. They seem to have a lot of girls who can just go in there and at least be solid, you know, <laughs> at least take care of it. I haven't seen anyone, you know, get in there and just totally flop, which I think is a good thing. And and that could just, just be like testament to how well coached they are too by Tina Langley, but yeah, that that is another strength I I saw. I totally. I think that I think we have eight or nine kids who can adequately pay, play seven to twelve minutes a game, which is yeah. an advantage of some tribal. Exactly. Like even Ari Long, who played a lot of minutes in like the first couple of weeks in our first uh, games, she's very long. She can shoot the three ball really well, and she rebounds pretty well too. So if somebody gets hurt, she I think she's six one. So she could come in there and potentially like uh, do a serviceable job. But the reason that somebody like her probably doesn't get a lot of minutes right now is that freshmen need to get on the court because of defense and rebounding. And that's why Chloe Briggs and Savia Sellers are playing a lot is because they are producing in those areas. And in order to be particularly successful in this league, that's what you need to be able to do consistently. So. Yeah. Very good point. Um, Mm -hmm. One more thing about strengths and we- strengths and weaknesses before I move on to conference outlook. Um, I think you kind of alluded to this before, <laughs> and it's they've never stressed me out as much as our football team has. But <laughs> oh, there have been moments like that for several. The specifically the the best example of that was the Wazoo game, where they were up by like. Was it more than 20? It, it was somewhere around 20. I feel like it was around 20. I can't remember exactly, but I want to say 20 was the halftime spread. Yeah, so. Exactly. And I remember watching that game and I it was in the third quarters, I think. And I, I got up for a little because I had to do something else. And it, and it got back and I was like, what just happened? And I don't know. It was just like, I, I feel like they've had, it might not have been as, as apparent in like really early, pre, like really early um games they've had because they've just been so dominant over their opponents, but it was kind of a problem they had last year where they kind of let off the gas in the fourth quarter. And I'm not really sure what I can attribute that to, but I, I hope they stop doing that because that, that could that could come back to bite us against pretty much any Pac-12 team, I feel like. But completely yeah. agree. And the only thing I would posit with that is that Washington played a very good first half against Washington state and Washington state equally played a very bad half. So maybe it's a little bit of Washington state correcting itself and Washington not doing it. Like it's a little bit of Washington and a lot of Washington state, but equally so with the football team, like we need to win it when a team is dead in the water, we need to take the kill shot. And 
Um, we didn't do that against Washington State. We were fortunate to have a, a big enough lead that it didn't end up biting us in the end. But Washington State comes to heck in a couple of weeks and they're going to want revenge for that. I also believe that Washington is completely capable of doing it again since we did it the first time without Ella Dean. So, and Hannah Stein said the game of her life against the Kooks. So uh, if we can do the same kinds of things again in Seattle, we should be able to. But um, yeah, I mean, like respect to Washington State, they you know, obviously won the conference tournament last, last year and they went to the NCAA tournament. So good team and well coached. Yeah. So, okay, conference out. Well, actually, wait, before we do a conference outlook um they play they they play again in two days they play on friday they're going to be oh, at cal friday. so cal and stanford um <laughs> i want i wanted to get your you know just your thoughts on that i, I we already know stanford's going to be tough we we already know that they're in the top 10 um but cal like again i you may know you may know more about them than i do but we never think much about them, but I just I, I did a little bit of research and they have a winning record. If I'm not like they're what is a record? It, it's 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 like uh, they've I only it's like eleven and two or something like that. Well, I I don't know. I don't know how I feel about them because I I I just want to. I don't. I hope they don't go in there thinking that it's like oh they're nothing. Like the reason like, I don't think that's going to happen, they're, I don't think they're going to overlook Cal's because yeah. uh, Lele played at Cal for two years. She definitely wants to be Cal yeah. and she's probably the fieriest kid on the team. She and Jada. So, and then also like we got a whole bunch of kids from California on our team. They probably get more excited about playing the California schools than we want them. We want them to get most excited about beating Oregon, but they probably are more excited about going to Cal. Um, but Cal, you know, is a team that if we don't play well, could could beat us because they have a lot of size. They they have a lot of kids on the team that can score 10 to 20 points. Will they if the Huskies play good defense? Probably not. Yeah. I think the Huskies probably will win by five to 15 points. But that's only if they play well. What I've noticed in our team is that sometimes El Ladine specifically makes a lazy pass, and you can't do that against good teams. I don't know how good Cal is. They they did lose um, one of their best players. I can't remember her name, but she now plays for Louisville. Um, I can I can picture her face, but I can't remember her name. She was their best player, and she averaged like 25, 30 points a game, and now she's at Louisville. So it's a different look for Cal. They've got some size, some experience size and transfers, but um, ultimately that Washington is – is better coached and they have a better team. So I would expect the Huskies to win and I don't expect it to be terribly close in the final minutes. Yeah. What, what's your, what's your thought on Stanford? Stanford is, is going through some transitions in their, in their program right now. I I have felt for the last, I would say 10 years that Stanford has weak guard play. And that used to be characteristic of a Tara Vanderveer coach team. They don't have that right now. And yes, Talana Lapolo last last week at Cal scored like 25 points and she shot lights out from three. But that is an anomaly. That doesn't happen very much. They also gotten beat at Gonzaga this year. And it's like Gonzaga is not a top 10 team. That's their only loss. Now, that was probably a great teaching moment for Tara, but um, Stanford is not the preeminent class of the pack this year. And that that's with Cameron Brink, who's an All-American on the team. They have a, like, a really well-versatile well, vast, well versatile, 
uh, front line that is incredibly athletic. They have Kiki Iriafin and Cameron Brink and some really good freshmen that have come in. But, um, you know, they got Hannah jump back. Who's like a sixth year senior and pretty much all she does is shoot threes. So I don't expect the Huskies to beat Stanford at Maples, but I also don't expect them to get blown out if they play well and don't turn the ball over carelessly in open traffic. Like, you know, I saw Al do this a couple of times against Louisville and they're incredibly athletic and very fast and they will capitalize on some mistakes like that. Stanford is better coached, probably not as athletic, but if you make mistakes like that in mid court or at the top of the key, they will burn you. So I expect Stanford to win probably by the same margin that the Huskies win by against Cal. The Huskies are completely capable of beating Stanford. I can't remember the last time a team, a coach, any coach came into Maples and darn near stole one from Tara Vanderveer and a top ranked Stanford team in their first try at Maples. I can't remember that. So I don't know. Anything can happen. I, I don't think they, I think that what you, the best you can hope for is a split. If you get, if you get a sweep, that's great, but you must get a split Yeah. in the Bay Area. You have to. Yeah. Yeah. So hope, hopefully they go one and one I mean. Hopefully, sweet totally. I'm not gonna, you know, <laughs> expect that. But yeah. Um. Anyways, just as an overall, just very briefly, overall conference outlook. I'm gonna hand this over to you again. But I guess the pack, the pack has always been one of the toughest conferences. I mean, if you follow women's basketball, you probably already know that. But if not the toughest, I'd I'd say. But um, and pretty much every team in the conference i'm pretty sure has a winning record um only teams that are kind of struggling so far are i believe arizona oregon and arizona state from Mm -hmm. and even then they've they have like four four and five losses each so Mm -hmm. i'm just saying this to say it's not going to be easy in my opinion and any of these teams could potentially beat us even though we slept through everyone in the beginning of the season so anyways yeah I'm going to hand it over to you just your thoughts on that what what they I, can prevent oh, <laughs> you're fine. I think that you really did a great job of sort of previewing it I, I don't think that anyone is going to go through the conference schedule unscathed I don't anticipate anybody going undefeated that said I don't know if you caught uh the battle in LA between USC and UCLA at Poly, but USC is in the top 10 based primarily because they have probably the preeminent national freshman of the year in Juju Watkins. She's very good. She's good as advertised. I'm not sure she'll stay at USC, but she's very good. Uh, And UCLA got a transfer in Lauren Betts. Lauren Betts is six foot seven or six foot eight and just kind of confusingly didn't play really at all last year at Stanford. Don't really understand why, because she comes in and immediately is an 80% shooter from the field. Granted, she only pretty much shoots lands, but I would too, if I were six foot seven, why would I, I would do anything else. So she's got really good hands. Um, She needs to improve on her footwork and just her like upper body strength in terms of like what she does on the low block, but she's only a sophomore. So that will happen in time. And UCLA has the best guard play in the conference, if not the country. So they, I, they would be my pick to win the conference beyond that. Uh, anybody with Stanford, uh, Utah, Colorado could probably, you know, finish any, anything two through four there just depends on how well they play. Um, 
Colorado is a team that I want to beat at least once this year because they have two of our former players who transferred out as soon as T Langley was hired. So I definitely want to beat them. Um, Utah lost probably their best player in Gianna Neepkins. She had a, an ankle or a knee injury a couple of weeks ago. So she's up for the season, which is a hugely impactful injury. Um, she was averaging like 15 to 22 points a game. Um, so that's, they're going to feel that, but they're still a very good team They're I think they're number 15 right now. I think they've lost two or three times, but they're really, when they're on, they're really good. So they're really good. Obviously we already talked about Stanford, Washington state pretty much returns everybody that they had last year. And they have a couple of really good freshmen that are uh, relatively local to the Pacific Northwest. So they're a team to watch always because they're very fiery. And if they are, if they play freewheeling, and let Charlize, you know, quote unquote, cook, like let her do her thing in the open court. They were, they're very good. I think that that was probably the reason that they didn't beat the Huskies is because they were working almost too rigidly within an offensive set. And when Charlize was kind of let loose in the second half, they were able to not necessarily always have their way against the Huskies, but she scored more at will. So that's something to keep an eye on. Um, trending down would be Oregon. And I'm not upset about that. I don't like their coach. Obviously, I don't like anything about their program. So this is not this is not a duck supporting podcast. This oh. is four inches, a Washington Husky podcast. Um, <laughs> but they just got beat by 20 in Corvallis for their first conference game. Um, they've had a mass exodus in their in their program to various other uh, conference, not in conference and then outside of the conference. Don't really know what's going on there, but I kind of feel like this is probably Kelly Graves last year to see if he can get it done at Oregon, and I don't think he will. Um, but they've got a, a lot of talent. It's just can they can they pull the right pieces and get things together? I don't know if they can. Um, Oregon State is undefeated. They're just outside the top 25, just like the Huskies are. So that is a team that we're going to have to play really well to beat. We don't play them in the Willamette Valley this year. We only host them, which is fortunate for Washington. Kind of unfortunate because I do think the Huskies will sweep, would sweep Oregon if we got them twice, but I don't think we'd sweep Oregon State. So um, anyway, we play them, I want to say, in late January or something like that. I can So that'll be exciting. Um, I don't think we host the LA schools. I think we only go on the road, which is sort of fortunate because both of them are in the top 10. So kind of not sad about that. Um, and then the Arizona schools, uh, Arizona state is improving, but still probably going to finish 11th or 12th this year. It'll just depend on how good or bad Cal is probably, or Oregon. Um, they don't have the the pieces that they need in there to be successful yet. I anticipate that happening within a year or so, but they're not there yet. And, uh, they, they got throttled at home by Arizona. That's a rivalry game. So you kind of sort of expect that because Adia has been there for several years, but still, Kind of one of those things where you'd hope in year two that's not happening, but is what it is. And then Arizona, another team that's had a mass exodus of just like a lot of kids not staying for more than a couple of years. Uh, graduation of Kate Reese, just a lot of a lot of new people coming in. At the same time, they just boat raced Arizona State in Tempe. So, you know, if you don't play well against Arizona, watch out because they are very athletic. They have the moxie of their head coach. They're they're very fiery. So Washington will have their hands full. I believe they play them in Arizona and had heck ed. So 
Um, it's going to be an exciting season, but I, in terms of last year, the Huskies finished seven and 11 in conference. I see them winning nine to 10 games this year. I see them making an improvement, not a dramatic improvement, but an improvement. Nonetheless, I think that the media and the coaches predicted them to be 10th. And I think that's disrespectful. And I hope the Huskies respond to disrespect the same way that the football team does. Exactly. Oh, wait, are you serious? No. Yeah. I'm dead serious. Okay. Um, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> maybe they're going to start calling the Huskies football on court. I don't know. Maybe that, maybe that'll get us, but. <laughs> um, the reverse of that. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, that pretty much does it for but okay before we hop off of here I'm aware that Leah has a couple of hot takes she'd like mm. to I don't think that USC is worthy of a top seven ranking or wherever they are now I know that they have really good freshmen but I think they've played one tough game and they are going to be in for a rude awakening when they have to go play some big girl basketball like big girl like big boy football um so, you know, I don't think I don't think they're as good as they as the national media would have them believe. I think that they're benefiting a lot from being in southern sunny Southern California. Um, oh. I think that Oregon isn't as good as people think. I don't think they're as talented as people think. So I think that that's going to happen, too. Um, and I think Colorado, Colorado started their season by shocking the world and beating a national defending champion LSU. So Colorado could be sneaky good. And if people think that they can go into Boulder and just take one from the buffs, they will be sorely mistaken. I think that Colorado is actually kind of one of those teams that I could see getting into the final four. We have a a lot of teams that could get there. USC will not make it past the round of 32. That's, that's my big hot take. They're not, they're not, well, yeah. There's one thing I know about SC. If you give them high expectations, they will always disappoint you in every sport. Oh my God. <laughs> I know Evie likes that because she is from LA. So. <laughs> God. Uh, oh my God. Don't even get me started. <laughs> but it's true. I'm sorry. Um, it's true. I, I, we're, we're coming for you, Lincoln Riley. I don't care. <laughs> oh my gosh. Anyways, um, that does it for us. Thanks for watching. Or sorry, thanks for listening. And we hope you enjoyed. And go dogs. Go dogs. Beat Cal. Husky Nation, it's the end of the third quarter. Are you looking for the perfect tequila for your next get together? The answer is born from a hero. Hero de Leon. Direct from the prestigious Murguia family, just outside Guadalajara, honoring their great-grandfather who saved Mexico from a horrible civil war. It's authentic, courageous, with great integrity, just like the general. Enjoy the smoothest Blanco tequila you've ever tasted, or the rich flavor of our Reposado, aged for seven months in American bourbon barrels. Or the ultimate tequila, our Añejo, which is aged for 18 months in the same bourbon oak barrels. Go to your favorite liquor retailer or restaurant and ask for Hero de Leon because it's always the end of the third quarter. Imported by Zombie Beverages, Mercer Island, Washington.